Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Kicking off this edition, we have to recap what is arguably the best second season so far uh-huh. of Disney Plus shows because, uh-huh. well, it's the only one. We'll say it's a short list. It's a short list, but still it's on top for a reason, and that is Star Wars The Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Now, this season has been very good so far. We've been recapping every episode, as we always do here on the ODPH, and we are going to continue that tradition talking about Episode 4 or Chapter 12, The Siege, depending on how you want to look at it. So we are talking spoilers. You have been forewarned. Pause the episode if you need to pause and jump back in, because we are going to deep dive into it in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I thought it was a great episode. I think while some people might be going, oh, it's kind of a filler episode, there's a lot going on here. How can you really say it's a filler when there is all your moving parts are happening, mm-hmm. and they're very much so building? I would say if we've had any filler episodes, it's, it's episode two. Yeah. That has been yeah. the closest we've yeah. had. Yeah. Because as we jump into episode four, mm-hmm. the Razor Crest is still needing work. Yeah. Because it's been beat up since it's episode been two. Duct taped, held together by fishing nets. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute mess because mm-hmm. obviously when it crashed, and it did crash yeah. very, very badly on that ice planet, it has just never been recovered. And even though. They did bring it to another planet yeah. on Trask, yep. hopefully to get everything fixed. Paid a 1,000 credits for it. Yep. Uh, definitely he got ripped did off. Did not get his money's Yo. worth by any means. Ugh. The Mandalorian struggled, even though he did make some new friends. Yes. Uh, one Bo-Katan. Yep. Played by the one on the Katie Sackhoff. Oh, I cannot wait to see her return on the show. Mm-hmm. But we get going to where the, the story is taking him, because he is told that if he can go to the forest planet of Corvus, Mm-hmm that he might be able to find some help in dealing with the child and reuniting him with more of his species. Mm-hmm. But he knows he can't make it there, so he has to yeah. make a detour. Yep. A detour to a familiar place. Mm-hmm. And what place is that, Pad? Uh, that would be Navarro to reunite with Kreef Karga, played by Carl Weathers, uh, and then Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano. Reunited and, and it feels so good. Yes, we see some old friends returning, and a lot has changed since we have seen them last. Mm-hmm. So... Grief is making sure that the ship is being repaired. He's playing almost like a Lando Calrissian type. Yeah. I immediately thought that when Mm -hmm. I saw him because he Mm -hmm. has obviously really stepped up his role for where they've taken over. And now everything has changed on Navarro. Like, it just seems like it's gone through this big renaissance. And that was the thing I noticed, too, just in the way it was shot and presented and lit and all that kind of stuff. Where, like, before, if you go back to season one, it's kind of gray. It's kind of dingy. It looks kind of depressing. Now it's all, like, bright, uh, sunny, and and colorful. Yeah, it got the biggest computer update you've ever seen (laughs) because everything just looked brand new. 
And you know that Karga is running everything. I believe he yep. was referred to as the magistrate. I, something like that, yeah. And Cara Dune is the marshal, which mm-hmm. no surprise there. Perfect role for her. Absolutely. So the Mandalorian has to do some business because he does get there and Grief wants to talk to him about something that is happening. Mm-hmm. They do put the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, in a, in a classroom. Yeah, and can I say, this was probably the best episode with the child in it because, holy shit, every scene he was in was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say, Christ, they open the episode and, you know, uh, the Mandalorian's trying to fix his ship and he's got the child down this little tiny access hallway-looking thing and because, you know, it's it's like with uh, Baby Groot in uh, what Guardians. Was it? Guardians where it's like, yeah, no, don't push that button. You know, it was the same setup. It's like, okay. Take the red wire out. All right, now take the blue wire and now plug the red wire into where the blue one was, and he ends up electrocuting him. But holy Christ! Then you take, then he gets to the school and he sees the kid next to him's got some macaroons, and he's like, "I really want some of those macaroons." And the kid's like, "No." So then he uses the force and takes the macaroons anyway. This is becoming a, like an underlying plot theme this season. Is uh-huh. Baby Yoda is hungry? Uh, oh, he hungry. He's, he's eating everything in sight. Holy cripes, Yeah. Jeez, like I'm worried he's gonna actually sprout up like Groot. Could be. And you're going to see him taller than the Mandalorian. Well, you got to figure anytime we see the Mandalorian feed him or he takes him to like a, a canteen, he's like, oh, yeah, give him some bone broth. Give him some bone broth. But like, no, nah, he, he, I think he needs a little bit more. Yeah, he's going to be super jacked by the end of the season at this rate. Could be. He's just eating everything in sight. But the, the macaroon scene mm-hmm. was definitely a funny one. So obviously, Baby Yoda is away from the picture and we are getting down to business. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of getting into an idea that the Empire is still lingering around on this planet. Yeah, because that was definitely, like I said, I definitely got the like uh, Lando Calrissian on Bespin vibes going on. And I'm like, all right, Lando Calrissian vibes, Bespin vibes, where's the Empire? Oh, there they are. Yes. Yeah, so now we know that there is one base remaining. Mm-hmm. So. The planet is still not exactly empire-free, shall we say. Well, it's like 98%. It's 98%. I would say that's a fair number. Yeah. So the plan is to go in there and destroy the base. And Mandalorian yep. is is down for the cause. Yeah, because uh, from what intel they have, it's a skeleton crew, and, you know, just some stormtroopers patrolling the corridors. And I believe that it, their intel is that there's some weapons and some, you know, ammunition and such there that they would like to... They, they could make a quick buck turning over on the black market. Yeah, so obviously the bounty hunter in him is seeing dollar signs oh yeah so is grief because i mean once a bounty hunter always a bounty hunter so yep they're all seeing a way to do this i think character dune is also saying well if we can eliminate this threat we'll have peace on the planet mm-hmm. so there's a lot of win if they can pull this off and this does sound good on paper hey not a lot of people there just go in yeah sell go some in weapons. go out you're in good. yeah but like every great drama mm-hmm. things do not go as planned nope because once they get in there Oh, they find so much more. Mm-hmm. They find stormtroopers galore. Yep. They find a little hidden tape recording. Well, I don't want to say tape recording, but they do find a video message mm-hmm. from a certain doctor yep. who was talking about some experimentation he was doing. Yeah, so that was Dr. Pershing, who you might remember from season one. Uh, he was played by uh, Omid Abtahi uh, was recording a message. I believe it was to Moff Gideon. It was yes. sent to Moff Gideon. It was. It was kind of like you know. It's kind of like when you send an email. Yeah, the person gets an email, but you got a copy of it on your end. Uh, and he was. Uh, he reveals the he had been transfusing the blood of the child and the the high M count, which. Uh, in case you didn't pick up on that, that's a mini chlorine count. Uh, yeah, into test subjects, and that it hadn't been going real well. No, so this is kind of the basis of why the baby Yoda is so important. And there was also uh, bef- right in the desk behind them where they found uh, the message. There was also a body-looking thing floating in there. 
Yeah. Which has got a lot of people thinking about what it might be. Any guesses? Uh, I know the popular theory online is that it's something to do with Palpatine or Snoke. Ooh. That, 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 that it's that theory. I don't think so just because of the way timing and, and, and the timeline and everything and, and what we know from Rise of Skywalker and all the stuff that came out of that. Um, you know, especially since it doesn't appear that Moff Gideon's kind of, you know, because the thing we know from books and, and comics and, and all this stuff that about Palpatine's return was that there was like kind of this core group of people who knew about it and knew the plan and knew what to do and knew what, to, you know, this and the other. And, and Gideon doesn't seem to be in on that, that it, it, but given the fact that what he used to do in the empire and he was in the Imperial security bureau. So he had access to a lot of information and he knew, you know, he could get a lot of stuff. I wouldn't rule it out that he kind of maybe stumbled upon it or somebody told him about it. And he goes, it's a really good idea. Let me borrow that. Well, that's where it kind of you have some room to work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that works in the Mandalorian's favor is this really doesn't have a complete tie no. to the movies. No. Like, obviously, there's loose threads. Sure. I mean, one loose thread you can even tie to is – but because cloning is involved in this in some capacity because the two guys who were at the station when they came in blasting and they were, you know, delete – they go, delete everything, delete everything. Those guys, the logos they had on their shoulders were from Camino. Yeah. So, like we say, there is a lot of area to breathe and make a story happen. Mm-hmm. If you want to loosely tie it, yeah. I think that works. Yeah. I think if you try saying the story was written 20 years ago and explain that that was the real origin of Anakin Skywalker, I don't think it's going to work. But that's my opinion. That all being said, the Mandalorian and company destroy the base. Mm-hmm. So, it, a lot of great action sequences happen yeah. in this as well, too. Yeah. So, you have to give them credit for that yet again. And once they're escaping, there is the whole little race scene so to speak Mm -hmm. because obviously they jump into a it's like a troop transport looking thing yes because the original speedster which they had uh another companion which i know we didn't address because he was the first mandalorian bounty that we saw picked up Mm -hmm. is now freed and is working for a grief cargo to work off his debt yep uh his speedster is destroyed so they have to work out of a cargo tank yeah. To escape, and at this point, they're getting pursued by yep. stormtroopers on bikes. They're getting pursued by TIE fighters. Well, so they're holding their own pretty good until the TIE fighters show up, and then you kind of go, ah, shit. Yeah, which I have to say, once again, the action sequences here were great. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of high-paced movement. Mm-hmm. I, I will say the only thing I thought was a little corny, but I'm okay with it, is when they went over the ravine and they go, oh, mm-hmm. you feel like you're on a roller coaster. Yep. But I get it. I'm not upset about it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But they wind up fending off the troops yep and especially when things are looking like it's at its worst the mandalorian comes flying in yep to stop everybody yep because he does have now the repaired razor crest bright and shiny yeah which pulling i was pulling all sorts of moves yes because he was told to escape at this point and uh-huh. they would just find their way out yep. so he disappears yep. during the laws so that you did get some more screen time with karga and dune which i like because they, yeah. they're a good pairing yeah they balance each other out i think carl weathers and gina carano do an amazing job of kind of having that uh, partner system going yeah. on. So they are escaping, and obviously with the fights going on, it's, it was complete Star Wars action, mm-hmm. which I love seeing, not mad about. And I'm wa- i, I got to say, I'm watching that whole scene where, where the Mandalorian shows up, and he's flying around, and he's drifting, and he's doing this and that. And I'm like, and the kid, they keep cutting to the kid in the, in the, in the back seat, and he's wee, and his arms go up like he's on a roller coaster. And I'm sitting there going, all right, this kid has been eating macaroons all goddamn day. Yeah. He's going to throw up, like. He's got, this is going to happen. And sure enough, bleh, 
all over himself. Yeah, it does. I mean, which is to be reminded that, yes, it's still. He's still a, a kid. He's still a kid, and obviously the Mandalorian is not the guardian. And, that, and I love the little interaction. That, it's very comfortable here. I love the interaction the Mandalorian has with Grief Cargo, where Cargo's like, oh, you know, oh, what do I owe you? And, and he's like, listen, call it even with the, you know, the repairs to my ship. Well, at least let me buy you a drink. Uh, I have some in-ship repairs to take care of. Yeah, it's a nice little play on words because once they they feel like they save the day, the Mandalorian is getting back to the mission at mm-hmm. hand, which is to get to Corvus. So things are assumed to be happy at this point, but mm-hmm. we do find out that somebody that is working in Karga's garage, I guess you can call it a garage? Yeah, uh, it's it's like the local repair crew. Right is actually an Imperial spy. And I got a vibe something was off about that when the episode started because he lands and Karga tells him, oh, fix everything, you know, make it as good as new, yada, yada. And the one guy looks back at him and just kind of like his eyes narrow, and I'm like, something's not right here. It definitely wasn't. I thought it was going to be he was going to turn him in to mm. somebody for the bounty. Could be. Because the one thing you have to remember is going anytime you're having anybody work for Karga, yeah. It's bounty hunting usually. Yeah. Usually yeah. involved. So that's why I figured, okay, he's going to turn him in, and then there'll be somebody chasing him at the the base. So Lil was I surprised that, yes, he turned out to be an Imperial spy, who then tells Moff Gideon that there is a tracker on the Razor Crest. Mm-hmm. So now you'll be able to find him anywhere in the galaxy you need to. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts, Pat. Really great episode, and I love the little tease they did at the end where, you know, it's the the, the – female agent goes to tell Gideon about what she's been informed and he's standing there and you see these figures in the background and there's a lot of speculation about who those guys are in the background. Yeah, you're the expert here so you want to try speculating on that? Yeah, so the running speculation is that these are dark troopers or this is going to be the current uh, version of the dark troopers. Now for those who aren't familiar, uh, back in the mid-90s there was a a PC game by the name of uh, Star Wars Dark Forces. Uh, Dark Forces just Kind of quickly, it was around, revolved around a character named Kyle Katarn, who was an ex-stormtrooper uh, in Merc, uh, who was hired by Mon Mothma to steal the plans for the first Death Star. So, obviously, it's not canon anymore, but, mm. uh, you know, and the initial mission is kind of the basis of, of the game's level. Uh, you know, from there, you go on missions and what have you. Uh, but one of the villains or enemies in this game was the Dark Trooper. Okay. And and it's kind of, the, you look it up and you, you see some comparisons between the two. I think that's what it's going to be. Is it, Because, like I said, nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown out. It's repurposed and brought in for other stuff. Yeah. I think this might be the current version or current canon version of the Dark Trooper. I'd be. Because you got to figure, and I like that, you know, when you see Moff Gideon's ship. It's not like a full-fledged Star Destroyer, but like his ship. I like it because it's cool. All right, he's got some power, he's got some pull, but it's not full blown. And I and I like that he might be bringing in these these dark troopers, you know, because it's like okay, he's got some forces to work with, but he needs a little bit more. Yeah, I I think that they definitely have some room to make something happen here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was thrown away for any reason. No. And I I believe that we're gonna find out as we get progressing further that yeah these guys are gonna be tied into canon like i'm really not sure what to think at this point but that's what i like about this Mm -hmm. because they're keeping you speculating yeah so i'll take it as a win obviously no boba fett this episode but i can i'm okay because i know we got a couple more episodes coming back Mm -hmm. obviously next friday as we're recording the 27th is Mm -hmm. going to be a big mandalorian day written and directed by dave filoni and the episode is reportedly titled the jedi Yes. So, spoiler alert: it's not Luke. No, it's definitely not. It's, it'll be a fan favorite. So expect social media to light up 
Because if it is that character, and we've mm-hmm. already hinted a little bit who it is, we're going to just tease you a little bit longer. I have to do a little legwork about this. Expect every social media account that you follow that covers movies, comics, Star Wars to mm-hmm. light up and explode. Yeah, so if for any reason, and, and I understand there are a variety of reasons. I ran into one myself last week, uh, that you are not able to watch the episode fairly early on Friday last week for myself. I forgot to set my alarm. Simple yeah. as that. Um, but for, for whatever reason, work, life, you know, whatever. I w- and if you have like a Twitter, uh, Reddit, or Facebook, I just delete them for the day until you're able to watch. Because a lot of fans are good about not posting spoilers. Some not so much, but I feel like this one, it's delayed. going to be hard to keep on about this one. Oh, it's definitely going to be tough to keep on. I mean, this has been one character that's been hyped for so long uh-huh. that when that character debuts mm-hmm. and we know that character is going to, mm-hmm. it's going to blow the roof off. And there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on it because to this point, this character has only been seen in animation form. Right. This is going to be the first time we're seeing this character in like live action form. So, and there's a lot of fans, myself included, who have grown up with this character, who have watched this character for the better part of like 12 years or something crazy. Like yeah. That. So like there's, there's a lot of anticipation. Yeah. Stakes are high. So yeah. I have full faith in them. They, yeah, no, they, I have, too. they have not failed yet. So when Mandalorian drops this Friday, definitely hit us up on the hashtag ODPH and give us your thoughts, but hit us up before then. We're on Twitter at OD parlay hour. All of the links to our personal accounts are up there too. So you can definitely interact with pad right then and there. Drop a follow too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk some Mandalorian. What was your thoughts about Chapter Twelve, The Siege, or Episode Four? However you want to break it down, let us break it down, shall we? We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove Podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk mid-season finale, Pat. Oh, okay. Of a show that I thought I was out, but now I'm back in. I'll say it sounds like a quote I've heard once or twice. Yes, but this one, I, I will say, has not disappointed me. We're now at the mid-season finale point of Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Now, everything that's been going on with the show, I've been really entranced with. I've liked a lot of it. I'm not saying it's a full home run, Mm -hmm. but it's given me some new faith in the Walking Dead franchise to a degree. Okay. It's way better than World Beyond. I just can't. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've gave it a couple times. I saw the preview for the episode that was on after the mid-season finale here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm just not doing anything for me. I had no interest to watch. So maybe I'll binge watch it for the show 
at a later date because we are going to have some time. But I want to really deep dive into Fear the Walking Dead season finale, episode seven, Damage from the Inside. So you know the deal. We are going to be talking spoilers. I'm giving you fair warning now because once I get going, I'm not going to stop. So in three, two, one, everything this season has been anthology style. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've loved it. I've once I saw the little ten minutes preview from the New York Comic Con panel. Yeah, I was in. Cannot stress enough that that first episode premiere was amazing. And Lenny James, who plays Morgan Jones, has been absolutely brilliant. And I love his range of emotions and direction that he's been pulled off of this character. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, I've been following every episode as you've been listening to the ODPH and breaking it down. And like I say, it has been more hit than miss. There have been a couple misfires sure. to a degree because once you start dipping into familiar plot themes with The Walking Dead, the show does run a bit stale. Sure. And it is going to be what it is. I mean, obviously, it's always been about a group versus zombies, and then they throw in other groups involved. And But that's been my one complaint about The Walking Dead over the years is why are we adding so many parts when you can keep it very simple? Mm. Albeit, though... The main antagonist this season has been Virginia, played by Colby Minifee, who has been absolutely great in her role. Uh, borrows a lot from the governor, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's been back and forth because she dismantled this group of survivors early on, and now you're seeing how everybody's been displaced. Now we jump into where we find out that she has a sister named Dakota, who's played by Zoe Coletti. Mm-hmm. And her whole mission now is keeping her safe because she's now feeling there's outside forces moving in. And they've been teasing this group that has been spray painting. The end is the beginning all over the place. Mm -hmm. So she knows that there is a threat coming. Obviously she's gone through some changes throughout the start of the season, obviously losing her hand last episode. So she is now in, I don't want to say panic mode, sure, but she's more heightened about Ah. what is going on because what she's trying to do now is get Dakota to a safe house and she is in a car traveling with one Victor Strand, played by Coleman Domingo. And as they're going on this convoy, they realize that there is a horse that is coming back that is one of the sheriffs of this pioneer group. Mm-hmm. And there is nobody riding it. Mm. So what they do is they stop the convoy. They have everybody around in the horses because they are traveling by horse for most of this. i got to explain that part. Except there's one car that's traveling with Dakota and, and Strand. Mm-hmm. Strand gets out, leaves Dakota with the group, and she and he takes off with another uh, character to go investigate. Okay. And as they go, they find that a tree has been cut down in the road. Mm. And they really don't know what's going on with it and why it's blocked. As they turn around, they see the other horses bum, coming their way. Bum, bum, bum. Which I'm going, okay, well, this is going to get interesting. So as they come back to the convoy, the car is gone, Dakota is gone, Mm -hmm. and there is bodies everywhere. So somebody has killed them. And obviously now they're turning to zombies, so they have to kill them and Mm -hmm. to get back to Virginia. And they're trying to explain, well, basically, we lost your sister, your one piece of humanity that was in you. Mm -hmm. So when all of this is happening, Strand is trying to figure out, okay, how can I tell... Or how can I get Dakota back without telling Virginia right away? He goes to enlist the help of Alicia, who has been his kind of partner in crime for mm-hmm. most of the seasons. But it, obviously they've been a little strange since episode two. Uh, Alicia Debman Carey, who plays Alicia, uh, has been the center of the role here. And this is kind of where she focuses on the episode this time. So they wind up tracking, or Alicia goes and tracks Dakota 
to a hunting lodge. Hmm. Now, this is where things get a bit weird, a bit horror-esque. I did not mind this Mm -hmm. because she is going with her companion, Charlie, uh, who is kind of her protege. Uh, Alexa Nielsen plays her. Um, So they wind up going to check this house out, and they wind up breaking in, and as they're going in, I mean, obviously they had to kill a couple walkers before they got in there, one of which had antlers tied to them. So let that visualize for a sec, Pat. Okay. So you have zombies walking around with antlers. It's a little weird. Yeah. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So as Alicia is breaking into the house, she does wind up catching somebody taxiderming a zombie. Okay. Now, do you know what taxidermist is? Yeah, it's uh, where if you like, if you kill an animal and then you stuff it, right? Yeah. So apparently, this gentleman who we know is Ed, who is played, uh, the actor is Raphael Sabarge, who we know from Once Upon a Time. Mm. Who played Jiminy Cricket? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is the taxidermist who's basically fixing up these walkers to keep them around his house to scare people away. I mean, that's effective. It is. It's weird. A, it's it's creepy as fuck. Weird, but, it's, but oh, it, yeah. it's it's working. And then he winds up catching Alicia. Hmm. And then he also like injects her with. Um, I want to say the solution that knocks out animals for taxidermies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's she wakes up on a table with her arms taped in duct tape. Mm. Obviously finds a way to escape because there's antlers and sharp objects everywhere. Right. And then who comes out of anywhere to kind of remedy the situation? Dakota, who is who explains to Alicia and Charlie, who's now broken in the house because it was a solo mission at first. Right. Reasons, just roll with it. That, oh, Ed wound up saving me when I broke away from the camp when it got attacked. I didn't see who did it. Mm-hmm. Alicia obviously has a lot of different theories of what's going on. And she's trying to talk to Ed about going back, but Ed is not exactly buying this. And you kind of hear his story about how Virginia was responsible for killing his family. And now he's taken away uh, any kind of wanting to work with anybody from the outside world. So he wants to keep what he has in place. And it's all about not changing to the evolving world. It's kind of like this long soliloquy he does, but it does work in its favor. Mm -hmm. So you understand his background and he says, well, you know, I'll let you guys leave in the morning. We'll see what happens. You know, just we'll, we'll sleep on that night. During this time though, Alicia winds up getting a radio and contacting Virginia Mm -hmm. and says, I have your sister. I will give her back to you if I get freedom. Hmm. And reluctantly, Virginia agrees to it. Like, there's a little back and forth about this. But this winds up being the the play that she wants to do because she wants to go back to the stadium. Now, I know you have been watching, so this took me a little while to figure out. Okay. But the stadium is where they were held up for a while and was overtaken by zombies. So during this whole mess we see that this is where Alicia wants to go back. She feels that she'll be safer at the stadium than in Virginia, which uh, I I can't argue at this point because Virginia is obviously so off a rocker. Who knows what you're going to have? And she winds up making the deal. But during this, she winds up waking Ed up, who was originally knocked out. Charlie Mm. wound up injecting him with uh, that knockout serum. Yeah. 
and he was playing music to draw the walkers in. Like, he's got this weird setup. Like, the, right. I, I can't stress enough about it. Like, it's a weird setup he has with speakers, and he has all these taxidermist zombies. Just weird. Walking around. Yeah, like I said, there's a great horror element with this. Oh, like, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I got to stress about it. It is definitely horror movie-esque. So if you're into horror movies, you're actually going to really enjoy this because you just kind of see this character who's just completely broken from humanity and is refusing to let anybody out of the house. Mm-hmm. And as we see, he winds up catching wind of what's going on because he was not uh, injected in a vein. So hmm. they missed the mark, so he winds up coming too and realizes that Alicia is trying to escape with Dakota and Charlie, and he's not doing it. So he snaps, pulls a gun on him, and is saying, you're not leaving. There is a scuffle. Mm-hmm. And during this, Alicia impales him with those antlers. Yeah. They're lying because, like I said, there's antlers all over the place. I mean, not on purpose. It wasn't right, like right, right. She intentionally tried to kill him, but he is now impaled. And then during this time, he winds up snapping back and is saying that, uh, Virginia didn't kill his family. It was all him. And he was just like trying to find some semblance of normalcy. He's like, I'll buy time because at this point there is a huge zombie herd augmented coming their way hmm. because why reasons? Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's a very cool play on words that they or a cool play that they had rather Yeah, of doing this whole twisting of the zombies and, and obviously him, you know, working them to be, you know, creatures I will say that was a very cool visual that you could kind of see. And as they're breaking in the house, they do wind up making an escape out the back because they have to break a a side door, but that's drawing more attention. Mm -hmm. So as they're trying to escape this house, they do get some help from somebody that we weren't expecting to see, and that is one Morgan, Ah. who comes in there with this axe that he's now made uh, from earlier in the season and is laying waste to everybody. As one does. Yes. So Morgan winds up helping them escape. And then there is a meeting of the minds, so to speak, Uh because Alicia obviously hasn't seen Morgan since he was shot. Uh And she's now making guesses about who saved you. And and it's kind of heavily eluded that he's like, I don't know, but this person has been watching over and still says I have work to do. There is a very big rumor that's going around that I can't get confirmation of Uh that this is. Madison. Oh, so that's why I saw that on Twitter on Sunday night. Yeah. So Kim Dickens is rumored her character did not die in the uh, stadium because, like, they did a death off screen. Right, right, right. She sacrificed herself for it. Unless I see a body, I don't buy it. Yes. So it is a little interesting that they're talking about bringing her back. And I honestly, I don't, I wouldn't mind as much. Like, I know I was very critical of the family at the beginning. Right. But I would not be as angry about it, so to speak, now because the show is taking a different direction. Sure. So that being said, Morgan is still sitting there and saying, I have a base set up. I have Dwight. I have Al with me. You can come here. And then Alicia brings up the stadium again. So like I said, there's a little more smoke to that fire, no pun intended, that they are going to be tying into the next season or the next half of this one Uh into the stadium. But during this back and forth, Dakota comes up, mm-hmm. and then Morgan admits to he is the one who killed everybody on the convoy. Uh, that figures. Yes. And he says, I do what I have to do. Like, that was an underlying theme right. of this episode because 
where Ed was saying he had to do what he had to do to keep the semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Morgan once again said, I had to do what I had to do because we have to survive. This is our group. We need to do this. However, though, when Alicia asked him about Tank Town, he admitted that he had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So there is still that other group that's lingering around that they did not address this episode, which I was glad because obviously when you get a crowded cast, it's not going to help anything. No. But they go back to arguing about what they're going to do with Dakota because Dakota is now the biggest piece of a puzzle of who is going to be freed and who's not. Mm -hmm. And then it originally goes that Alicia has a standoff with him, which I was like, okay, everybody is now fighting to protect this girl. This is not going to end well. Right. But Morgan has like this 11th hour change of heart. Like it's very, like I will say that's probably the only thing I'm really critical about this episode is he immediately goes from saying, no, no, she can't come, she can't come. Okay, yeah, she can come. I need everybody back with me. So he winds up conceding, so they wind up bringing Dakota with them. As they're leaving, though, they run into Strand, who is now caught up with them. Mm. And Strand has a weird, like, oh, I've seen Morgan again, and, and they're asking about all the survivors of the group, and they know where some are. They don't know where one Grace is, which we do find out a little bit later. We don't get it to. So they wind up having a standoff. And Alicia says, I have to do what I have to do. I'm not going back. So Strand, come with us. And he's like, you'll have a bullseye on your back the rest of your lives. Everything that we've been working for will be gone if you leave. And she just goes, I have to do what I have to do. And they wind up leaving. So Strand now has to go back to Virginia and explain, I don't have your sister. So once this happens... And Strand is has to go have this face off. Virginia goes, "Are you with me?" And he almost does like a Game of Thrones. I declare my allegiance with you. Mm. He's like, "Yes, I am with you." So at this moment, Grace takes him into his, like the side room because Morgan and company have taken off, and we find a very, very pregnant Grace who has been held captive. And Virginia gives him the order: get everybody back. That is gone. Mm-hmm. That's where the episode ends. So just crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy to see just how everybody's been kind of shifting back and forth. I mean, strand has always been a character that has always been on the fence of like where, where his allegiance lies. Mm-hmm. Like I think he does whatever is more beneficial to him at the end of the day. But to see that most of that group is now back together, there were some characters that we didn't see. Like I know Daniel is, was lying, was not featured in this episode. And obviously, Grace coming back. We didn't see anything that was going on with John. But they did set up very nicely for what we're going to see next season. Mm-hmm. Or I, I want to say next season, but it's going to be the mid-season. Second half. Yeah, second half. Because we did get a trailer for what it is, and it looks absolutely crazy. Like, there's a massive war coming. Like, I think this honestly looked better than the Negan War. Right. Which, I'm all in. Take my money now. And we didn't get a release date. We just said that Fear of the Walking Dead is going to be coming back in 2021. However, though, Pat, some news that will be interesting to you. Okay. The Walking Dead flagship show returns February 28th. Cool. They did show that. So cool. that is locked and loaded. They are returning. I'm excited to see what we get in this whole last final season. Mm-hmm. But for fear, though, I have to stress, in looking back on this season very quickly, or the first half, it has been something that if you've been turned off to The Walking Dead, I would actually give it another shot. I think that this has been very well done about having each episode focus on one character or two. 
and really getting their backstory that if you have walked away from it, like mm-hmm. I did, mm-hmm. I'm now more invested. And now I really kind of want to see what happens. I think that it's had some very strong performances this season. Like I say, anytime you have Lenny James on the screen, it's it's always must-watch television. Colbin Domingo, when he's been on, has been great too. And like I say, he does have that uneasiness of what side he's really on. Mm-hmm. Like what game is he trying to work? Colby Menifee has been very good as, the, as Virginia, who leading the Pioneers does borrow a lot, like I say, from the governor in my opinion. Sure. But she does carve her own path. And I think that does help, but I also think it does hurt in the aspect of we've seen this before where one big bad group held by a charismatic leader, we're going to be fighting survivors on top of the zombies. Where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. But I think of how they set it up, they're really keeping it small with the cast. There is going to be a big blowout that they've already teased about. Some of the scenes we've seen for next season look or next half season looks amazing. And I think that this is going to be a show that if you really gave up on, you would really recommend giving another shot to. I think there's a lot that will definitely entice any fan that's been jaded by The Walking Dead and give you some reason to watch, especially if the flagship show is canceling and World Beyond. Let's just avoid like the zombie plague, shall we? So that all being said, hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Fear the Walking Dead, season finale of the midseason. Episode 7, Damage from the Inside. Let me know what you think, and let's have a discussion. Fear the Walking Dead, do you want to jump back in or not, and why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and there is some movie news. That they couldn't have announced it like an hour earlier than they did last week? Christ almighty. I fully think they listened to the show, and they're like, okay, dropped, now release uh-huh. it. Pad, break down that big news. Yeah, so last week we finished recording the episode, put it to bed, left, and then by the time I got home, Warner Brothers decided to announce that Wonder Woman 1984 is releasing theatrically uh, on December 25th if theaters are open in your area. But if they are not, uh, it is releasing on HBO Max on the same day. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, Somewhat surprised, somewhat not. A little bit, yeah. A little surprised because... I know it was always talked about and always rumored, oh, they might do it, but I never fully, like, it's one of those things, until I read it, I it just can't fully believe it's happening. Yeah, you always have to watch it with a little trepidation, because mm-hmm. obviously there's so many rumors going around, and obviously yeah. Wonder Woman 84 is one of the biggest movies of the year that mm-hmm. everybody is highly anticipating to see. I mean, Gail Godot returning as Diana Prince mm-hmm. is a big deal, and obviously for DC, it's, it, it I don't want to say it has to be a must win, but if you want to keep your momentum going, right. it's got to deliver. Oh, yeah. So to see it get moved to HBO Max, uh, I mean, a few things jump out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they are really trying to line up HBO Max. So if you're not subscribed by now, 
I don't know what to tell you. Well, and yeah, and the, and the thing from what I was reading is that this isn't going to be, a, it's not going to be there permanently. It's going to be like a short run mm. type of thing. I don't know when it'll leave. Also, we should note that you will not need to pay an additional fee uh, outside of your subscription to HBO Max to watch this film. So it's not going to be like when Disney put Mulan out on Disney Plus where, okay, you pay this seven ninety nine or whatever it is a month for Disney Plus. Hey, pony up another $30 to watch Mulan. No, 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 no. This isn't the case. You pay your fee or whatever it is for HBO Max, and then on December 25th, when the film comes out on HBO Max, you just hit play and watch. Yeah, which I think is going to be a big win for them. And I got a, and I love the subtle jab they, they threw uh, in the video they put out the same day that it was announced that it was coming to HBO Max and theaters, and where it was like, you know, in theaters, December 25th, and on HBO Max, no additional charge. I was like, oh, that's a shot across the bow. It definitely is, but I think they know that the backlash from Mulan uh-huh. was big. And, oh, yeah, and, you, and you knew a lot of theaters, not just Warner Brothers, but, you know, all the major studios were watching that, you know, because that, that may, as much as it was a miss, a bit of a misstep, at least from the financial side of things, that was a, a step that I think all the studios were contemplating doing, you know, put out a because all the studios have been putting out some of their minor releases, the stuff that, you know, not a tentpole film, not a blockbuster film, but it's still a film. They'd been putting them out, you know, coming to America too is going to be on uh, Amazon prime next year, you know, and among other films. But this was kind of like that, you know, Mulan was kind of like the first blockbuster, the first major film to be put out. And it was kind of like, all right, somebody's finally doing it let's see how this goes oh this didn't go so well the way i think a lot of us were planning it let's change uh pace here yeah the director patty jenkins also was on twitter saying to quote at some point you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give over anything else we love our movie as we love our fans so we truly hope our film brings a little bit of joy and reprieve to all of you this holiday season and quote Mm -hmm. i can't argue with that i mean this is going to be a big precedent to watch because oh, if, yeah. if this takes off like mm-hmm. let's say hbo max does x amount of subscribe subscriptions mm-hmm. from this and i i think it's going to oh yeah especially for no additional cost like oh, yeah. that's the big oh yeah big point of this if this really booms and like let's say they get i don't know i mean throw out a, a number for the subscribers if they really get something astronomical mm-hmm I think then they could say, well, if the movie theaters are still going to be shut down oh, because yeah. of this, we can start shipping other properties over here. Sure. And I think this is going to be a trend-setting move for the movie industry, in my, oh, in my, in my, in my opinion. Absolutely. This. I mean, it, it's absolutely a move to try and boost up the subscribers to HBO Max. And, you know, obviously we talked last week that they finally got a deal done with Amazon Firestick. You know that the fire's under their ass to get this deal done with Roku now. Oh, yeah, that's gonna, they'll be done. Oh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna get a fire lit under their ass to get that really done. But, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, they also had to do it because production was done. Post-production was completed on this in, in like, Jan- in, like, 2019, like, middle of the latter half of Jan- uh, 2019. So the mo- the movie was originally, for those who may not remember, was originally supposed to come out on December 13th of 2019 uh, and then was m- moved up to dis- November 1st of 2019. Then it was delayed into June 5th of 2020, uh, you know, and then uh, back in March, obviously, with the pandemic going on, the film was delayed until August. Uh, and then in June, it was delayed again until October and before it was moved to Christmas. Christmas Day. So this movie has now been delayed for the, you know, if you just look at the original release date of December 13th, this film will will have been delayed for a calendar year. 
Yeah, which is absolutely wild to think. But, yeah. But then again, we are living in a different era. Right oh, yeah. Now. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, who would have saw, thought, seen back in, you know, the latter half of 2019 what would have been coming this year? You know, obviously, Warner Brothers, much like any other Hollywood studio, is losing money right now with, with theaters not being open as much, movies not coming out as, as they normally would. So this is a way for them to bring in money, albeit it's not going to be what they're used to, but it's still a, a form of revenue it definitely is and i think that it could be very 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 beneficial mm-hmm. but i think that you also have to think that if they're going to do a limited release for it yeah and i think that's the big key word in this mm-hmm. is going to be limited that they're going to pull it after a couple weeks probably and then wait to see if theaters reopen because i think you're going to see this on the big screen at some point mm-hmm. i know that some theaters are going to have it obviously going on right now with COVID. oh yeah but for the masses, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see this appear in theaters this coming summer. I think it'll be a case-by-case basis because, like, in our area, theaters aren't reopened. Right. Uh, because if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure what AMC's deal is, but I know with Regal, they're shut down through the end of the year. And right. It, and it's not just an us deal. I think that's, like, a global thing. Yeah, it's a global thing. I think it's for January. Yeah, so they're shut down. So I can see maybe on a case-by-case basis where that studio chain goes to Warner Brothers and says, hey, we were shut down, for, you know, while you, you know Wonder Woman was out in theaters. You know, could we show it again? And then, they're like, oh yeah, sure. Here, go ahead. Because are they ever going to say no to to money? No, no, and especially to get people back in theaters yeah. because, yeah. in theory, oh yeah, things will be a lot different next year. Is it nice to be able to watch this film and not have to wait? Much like I would like to see Black Widow, you know. But mm-hmm. obviously, that's not coming out on Disney Plus as we record, you know. But. And it's nice to know that, hey, I've, I've been wanting to see Wonder Woman. I love the original film. The scene in No Man's no Man's Land in the War, one of the best scenes in uh, film history. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's nice to finally have a date and not sit there and see an article headline about Wonder Woman and go, all right, what do you get delayed to this time? It's nice to have a date. And while it's nice to be able to just sit at home and watch it, it's not the same as a theater. So, you know, if and when theaters open here and if we get the chance to see it in theaters here, I'll absolutely go see it in theaters. Oh, I absolutely. Absolutely will too. I mean, this is going to be something that once it debuts in actual theaters, they'll make some money back. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to be something that is going to be a trend for the next few months, I feel. Oh, yeah. And I know all eyes are now shifting to Marvel and Disney. My opinion is this I do not see Black Widow going there. I think it'll, I think they might look at how this goes. And, and see it for that, see how it goes for them. Because they tried the premier access method with $30. I think they might look and see how this... And, they, and obviously, Disney dropped some other films on Disney+. Plus. Artemis Fowl is one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Pixar one that I'm blanking on. The Soul, I think, is what it is. Yeah, Soul is coming. Soul's coming in, but that's not premier access. I think they're going to see how this goes and what the numbers are like for HBO Max. And they just... Because, they, like I said... Studios have been dropping films on streaming services, but none of them have really been tentpole films. None of them have been blockbuster films. Right. You know, this is kind of the, you know, and obviously Disney dropped Mulan, which is one of their blockbuster films, but it had the paywall. This is the first studio to put out a film without a paywall, other than the one you need to get in the door. You know, I think Disney's absolutely sitting there and like, all right, let's see how this goes and see what the numbers are like or what we can figure out the numbers are like for them and go from there. Because I think if if they look and see and read how HBO Max had massive numbers and, and new subscribers added, they're going to go, yeah, let's do it. Well, it would make sense on a business standpoint. Sure. I just think that they have so much stuff coming out for Disney Plus Yeah, that I 
I'm not going to say Black Widow would get lost in the shuffle because I don't think it would. No, it wouldn't. But I also think that if you throw it in there with WandaVision and depending on where they are with Falcon Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what the status of Loki is, we do know Shang-Chi is done. Yep. So what's to say that that wouldn't follow suit as well too? Yeah. There's a lot of variables that can work around, but I think for what Disney Plus has, and Marvel has this tendency to stay at its course. Mm-hmm. They don't budge for when they're releasing things for the most part. I think WandaVision is getting moved around a little bit yeah. because it's the most uh, polished product that's done. Sure. Well, so it's almost done. Well, it's almost done, but by the time January hits, it's, it's right, going right, right. to be locked and loaded right. in less reasons. But with that all being said, I think that Disney is going to stay its course, and I don't think that they're going to budge as much. I think that they have had so much success with the MCU franchise Mm -hmm. that I don't think that they're feeling as much pressure as Warner Brothers about this. No. I I think they are. there's There's a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but I think they know that the brand sells itself. Mm-hmm. That if you throw MCU out there, oh yeah, people are still coming. I mean, this is why Ant Man is still a valuable franchise. True, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. People are still waiting to see the return. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of properties that are coming out that fans are so rabid to see that you can stretch it out as long as you need to for the MCU. Because as far as we know, mm-hmm. Black Widow is obviously a prequel for her origin. What it ties into the next phase of the movies, we don't know. No. We assume that it would be an end credit scene yeah. of some sort. Yeah. But it's not to say out of the realm of thought that they wouldn't flip that and throw something else in there if they needed to. It's real easy to do. Yeah. I mean, they could just obviously it would be like, what, an hour shoot or something or a day shoot? Not even. To, to do something. Yeah. So they can definitely flip that back credit scene if they wanted to. And I think that they could release that movie whenever they need to. They just need to take it off the board. And then your next movie up would be Eternals, mm-hmm. which we don't know what the phase is going to be. We haven't even seen a trailer for that yet. No, the trailer, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, Super Bowl Sunday. Well, maybe. I'm going to say that. Could be, right. could be Christmas Day as well, just because I know while here in America, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is the major Thanksgiving parade. Uh, the major one on Christmas Day is with Disney. Oh, that's true. I could I could see him dropping it Christmas Christmas Day, especially especially ooh, if NBA is going to be lining up and doing that all day thing on ABC and ESPN. Synergy. It, it's another possibility, but I think if Marvel really wants to get a global audience looking, because let's face it, Super Bowl will draw in a global audience like nobody else. I think they wait till then. But I wouldn't doubt as well as you bring up about doing it on NBA Christmas Day lineup, just because so many people will be watching those games. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a really interesting play to see how they wind up doing this. And then we don't know what any other theaters or no. movie studios are talking about. No. So many eyes are going to be on Wonder Woman 84 and the success it has. And especially for one month mm-hmm. that's going to be on stream. Yeah. That's going to be the key point because we're talking going into January 25th, it's done. Give, mm-hmm. give take a day or so. Depending on what those numbers are, you might see somebody else make another move, or would Warner Brothers make a, a move to release something else? I mean, we don't know. This I can't think of anything else they've got lined up to come out. No, I mean, there's I'm sure there is something. Yeah, I mean, something, but well, there's a lot of stuff that was in production, and obviously, with COVID shut everything down, they have to restart up again. It just depends how fast they can get something done mm-hmm. with being safe to everybody involved in the projects. It's a very interesting time to be watching. And this move is going to definitely be a domino effect that you're going to see other studios copy this. Oh, yeah. Depending on what studio or what streaming service they have allegiance to. Mm-hmm. Because the one good thing about Warner Brothers is, well, they have HBO Max. So if you need to do something, you go there. 
for Marvel, you go right to Disney Plus. Yeah. For anybody else, it's a fair game bidding war. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a Wikipedia article for a uh, list of Warner Brothers films 2020 to 2029. Um, Wonder Woman, obviously, we're, we've talked about. The only other, the next one that's kind of jumping out of me that I know is, I think it's done. They're just waiting, but the, the director said they're waiting for theaters to reopen is Mortal Kombat. That's got a current release date of uh, January 15th, 2021. After that, the next major one, I think, is uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, and that's not until May. Yeah, so I think by then... That was supposed to come out on my birthday, too. That would have been a hell of a birthday gift. It would be an amazing birthday. I think by then, we're going to have a real temp in the room of where we yeah. are with going to theaters. Again, yeah. Because I don't want to get any hopes up, and I don't like talking about COVID on here as much. But if vaccines are up, and mm-hmm. depending on what the state of the world is going to be then... Mm-hmm. It's not to say that they wouldn't be open in theaters more open yeah. to go there. And I think that if for studios, if they got a shot to go to theaters, they're going to go to theaters. But in the meantime, this is a good Band-Aid. I'm all for this move. I think that there's a lot of potential to say we can still make a movie happen during a uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think the fans will turn out in full force. I think you're going to see big numbers, in my opinion. I think that this will carry right through to 2021 and then... Hopefully by that time we'll get an update of where we are in the state of the world. But for DC, this is going to be a big win. Mm-hmm. I know it's not the win they want, yeah, but it's the win they're going to have to deal with. And I think for everybody involved with Wonder Woman 4 you got to be excited about this. Oh, thing. yeah. The movie's finally coming out. Hit us up on that hashtag, though, hashtag ODPH. I definitely want to get some feedback about this. What is your thoughts about Wonder Woman 84 heading to HBO Max? Good move, bad move, and what do you think happens after that? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to kick off those one-shots, Pad. Got a couple things to talk about. First off, I uh, got some deals for you if you're a PlayStation gamer like myself. Uh, the PlayStation Store, that is the one you can find uh, online, store.playstation.com, or on your console, your PlayStation 4, your PlayStation 5. They're running some Black Friday deals, and holy Christ, some of them are amazing. Break it down. Uh, so these are uh, all PlayStation, like I mentioned. Uh, work on your PS4, or in, I think you know, on PlayStation 5 as well, since basically almost every game but a couple, like 11 obscure ones I've never even heard of, all work on PlayStation 5. So if you don't have a PlayStation 4, but you got a PS5, these should work. Okay. Uh, first one up, one near and dear to my heart. This is the Kingdom Hearts all-in-one package. Now, this is Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts uh, 350, the 358 over two days uh, movie, uh, the Kingdom Hearts 0.2, 0. yeah, 0. 0.2, uh, Dream Drop Distance, The Unchained Memory, uh, Memories, and then Kingdom Hearts 3. So it's virtually every Kingdom Hearts game up to the one that just came out, Melody of Memory, which, side note, great game. Should pick it up if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan. But this is every game up to the one that just came out now. Normally, this is $99.99. PlayStation Store, 70% off 
thirty dollars. Damn. Yep. Uh, moving on, I got something here for everybody. Uh, next one up. If you haven't played this one yet, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, this is the Marvel Spider-Man Game of the Year Edition. Uh, normally, it is uh, $39.99, uh, 50% off. You can get it for $19.99. Uh, should know all these offers end on the uh, 1st of December. Next one up, another one near and dear to my heart, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, normally, this is, you'll find this on the PlayStation Store for $59.99. 60% off, can get it for $23.99. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next one up, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Another great game. Uh, definitely one you should pick up if you are a Dragon Ball Z fan. Uh, you can f- normally find it on the PlayStation Store for $59.99. Uh, 60% off, you get it for $23.99. Uh, next one up is Assassin's Creed Odyssey Ultimate Edition. Now, I haven't played this one, but I've heard it's very good. Uh, normally, this the Ultimate Edition, this will run you $119.99. They've got it for 75% off for Holy $30. Wow. Yeah, so this is just absolutely bonkers. This is the, this is the Ultimate Edition. This is, comes with all the bells and whistles and all of everything comes with it, so definitely want to check out. Uh, if you are into fighting games, uh, Tekken 7 Ultimate Edition, again, uh, you can find it on the PlayStation Store normally for $99.99, 80% off. Holy shit. 20 bucks. So, yeah, so absolute, absolutely bonkers deals. Uh, next one up, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered. This damn thing just came out, like, within the last couple of weeks. Uh, normally, you find it for uh, $39.99, 25% off, $29.99 pretty good deal there uh god of war this is the uh fourth game and the well, fourth console game i should say uh great game one of the best games i've ever played uh you can find it on the playstation store normally for 19.99 50 off you can get it for 10 bucks okay uh next up you have the borderlands 3 ps4 and ps5 edition uh normally it would be 59.99 uh this is with a six you save 67 percent with this deal you get it for 19.79 absolutely great deal there uh, next is Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Awesome game. If you haven't played it, you definitely should. Uh, normally, it is $19.99, but 50% off. You get it for $10. Uh, next one up is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition. Uh, normally, this is $49.99, but 70% off. You get it for $15. Now, this is the ult- complete edition, so this is the main game. All the DLCs, all the stuff. That, this is the one that I personally, myself, own. And I didn't even do everything, and I got 110 plus hours out of it. Oh my god! So this is so for 15 bucks. This is well worth your money. Uh, next one up, a game I lo- I love and play. Uh, used to play, haven't played it in a few years. Lego Marvel Superheroes. Uh, now this one isn't tied into the films. This is kind of just like comics. It's got like every Marvel comic book character or hero ever, and almost and damn near every villain. It's hard to find one that isn't in this game. Uh, normally it is 19.99, but 75 percent off. You get it for five bucks. Five? Five bucks. Holy man. It's a great game. I mean, I'm showing Ken the the screen there. Good luck finding this these days on on a big screen. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. You got Cap, Wolverine, Iron Man, Black Widow, The Thing, Mr. Fantastic, Silver Surfer, Thor, Johnny Storm, uh, Spider-Man, and the Hulk. It's a great game. Great story. Uh, Also, if you don't feel like getting all the Kingdom Hearts games, or maybe you have some of them, but you don't have the older ones, Mm -hmm. uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, uh, which is Kingdom Hearts 1. Two, uh, Birth by Sleep, the 358 over two days film, uh, and then Rechain of Memories, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. Uh, normally $49.99, 60% off savings, which is only 20 bucks. Uh, another fighting game, if you're into fighting games, uh, Street Fighter Five Champion Edition. Normally, if you get it on the store for $29.99, 35% off, you get it for $19.49. 
Uh, and then uh, this one is absolute steel. Uh, the Crisis Remastered. Now, this is the remastered version uh, version of the original Crisis game, which stories were if you some pcs you tried to run it back in the day your pc would crash yeah i was gonna say yeah uh, so normally you'd find this for 29.99 uh 35 off on the playstation store you get it for 1949 uh, another assassin's creed game this one i play this one's a great game uh assassin's creed origins gold edition uh now normally the listen to this deal normally this is 99 dollars 99 before tax okay 80 percent off you get it for 20 Whoa. you get it for 20 bucks that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. So this is all the bells and whistles, all the DLC, everything comes with this. 20 bucks. Another great deal. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 Special Edition. Awesome game. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, normally on the PlayStation Store, this is $79.99. Uh, 65% off. You get it for $27.99. Wow. Absolutely great deal. Uh, next up, another uh, Marvel fighting game. This is Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Love that game. Standard edition. Normally, uh, you get it for $39.99 on the PlayStation Store. 75% off. You get it for 10 bucks. This is one great thing about Black Friday. Uh-huh. You can go find deals. Uh-huh. I know we've been talking about uh, PlayStation a lot, but Xbox got the stuff. Every, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everywhere you go has got stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, you've got Lego Marvel's Avengers Deluxe Edition. Now, this is the Lego Marvel game that does tie into the films. Okay. Uh, this one you normally find for $29.99 on the PlayStation Store, 75% off. You get it for $7.49. Can't go wrong with that. Man. Absolutely not. So there's some deals there. Like I said, uh, and Ken mentioned... Xbox is running deals. Amazon's run. Basically, anywhere that sells games is running deals. So check wherever you like to purchase games. I'm sure they got some awesome deals running for you. Absolutely. So definitely make sure you're doing that. And uh, hit us up and let us know what you got if there's mm-hmm. some really good deals going on. Because this is one day, like, I, I don't like doing too much buying online. Mm-hmm. But this is one day I definitely peruse. Oh, yeah. If I can use that word. Yep. Uh, switching over to some movie news. We got an, uh, an update uh, or some news, I guess you could say, regarding WandaVision from some dude named Kevin Feige. Who? Yeah, no, I've never heard of him. Uh, he did a, a, an interview with Empire Magazine, uh, and in it, he talked a little bit about uh, WandaVision and all and whatnot. Uh, so in, in talking about it, uh, he said, quote, I love TV and watched far too much the Dick Van Dyke show and I Love Lucy and Bewitched and everything. Uh, Feige says of his viewing habits as a kid, and while the bits we've seen of WandaVision so far tease homages to the old black and white series, uh, it has plenty more up its sleeve. Quote, we go up to modern to the modern family and the office style, the talk to camera, shaky camera, documentary style. Close quote. So the the full uh, Wandavision story is going to be in the January twenty twenty one issue, which is on sale uh, this Thursday as we record, uh, and it's going to be so you can uh, definitely check that out at your local newsstands or wherever you purchase Empire magazine. Empire magazine, but it sounds like they're getting real metal with this whole series. Yeah, this one, I don't know where they're going to go with. I mean, the only thing I, I want to say is I think I borrow loosely from Tom King's uh, The Vision storyline. Right. And after that, pff, I have no idea, but, man, I'm locked in for this. Mm-hmm. So ready. Yep. Uh, and then it was reported by a couple of places uh, over the weekend that Marvel appears to be uh, aiming to shoot Black Panther 2 uh, in July. Now, no word yet on who's doing what or who's playing what. You know, we're not going to get into that. Right. But if you are looking for that kind of news, one would imagine if this the news is true that they're going to look to start filming in July, you expect to hear some stuff. Not now because, Christ, we're in the holiday season. Yeah. But after the new year. Yeah. So definitely keep your ears out for any news breaking. I'm not buying into any fan theories of what they have coming up for mm-hmm. until we hear from Kevin Feige and company. Yep. Because obviously, whatever they're doing with the next phase of Black Panther uh, with Chadwick Boseman no longer being here with us, unfortunately, 
this is going to be a very delicate situation that I would want to hear what they have lined up, and then we will go from there to, to commentate about. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for more news. Uh, switching over to some other Marvel mo- movie news, uh, it is being reported by the folks over at Deadline that D- uh, Deadpool 3 is in development. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Deadline says that Ryan Reynolds is uh, hearing some pitches from uh, writers uh, behind Bob's Burgers uh, concerning uh, his character in uh, Wade Wilson. Uh, when Wendy... Malio and Lizzie Malio Loglin uh, won out and will write the script. Uh, so more of this from the IGN article I'm reading from uh, Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige are on board to work on the new movie, which is still in early development. It will be the first Deadpool movie pr- uh, pr- directly produced directly, excuse me, by Marvel Studios. The Deadpool Twitter account seemingly confirmed the news by tweeting out a picture of Bob from Bob's Burgers with Deadpool's dual swords on his back. I'm uh, showing Ken the image here. Yeah, that's the dude from Bob's Burgers. He does appear to have <laughs> that two looks ridiculous i kind of want that to appear in the movie now i'm not gonna lie so uh the, this will mark the first time in the franchise that the script will not be written by Rhett reese and paul wernick uh deadpool 2 director david lich is reportedly also not on board and hasn't participated in the meetings for a new writer so far uh deadline says that lich has scheduled uh, has a schedule filled through 2021 but deadpool 3 is far enough away that lich uh, may still be able to direct so no word yet but uh, appears to be some deadpool 3 news uh, much to the chagrin of rob liefeld yes and it's just gonna be interesting to see how it gets incorporated into the mcu uh-huh. i mean obviously deadpool is not disney friendly no so, but they, but they have said when the Fox merger was getting ready that like there is a they feel there is a market for R-rated comic book movies, and if they need to do it, they'll do it. Well, this is going to be one that they're going to definitely they're have, to, have do. to do. I it. mean, the fan base is too big for them. Yeah, so they're going to need to have an R-rated film at Disney, mm-hmm. however they want to put it under a new studio banner. So yeah. be it, but they'll make it happen. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some other movie news, uh, we got a very surprising update that I honestly didn't see coming about Gremlins three. Yeah. It's not happening, but there, there's talk about it. Uh, this is from an article on Collider.com. Uh, quote, it's been a while since we've heard anything new about a potential Gremlins 3, but if the sequel eventually happens, fans can rest assured it'll stay true to the heart of the first two films. Uh, as you may remember, uh, I'm reading myself here, uh, first two Gremlins movie, uh, first Gremlins movie was one that really put Chris Columbus on the map, went mm-hmm. on to do the uh, Harry Potter, first two Harry Potter films, among many other films. Uh, you know, and then uh, it, it, the film was wrote, written uh excuse me columbus wrote and then joe dante directed the christmas uh set horror comedy and it came out in 1984 uh huge fan base i I personally love the first film second one eh, not so much yeah first one's classic first one's so good uh but then uh dante would go on to quote dante would go on to make a more satirical sequel called gremlins 2 the new batch but over the past few years columbus has been working on working to get a full-on gremlins 3 off the ground uh, so this, he says, quote, I would love to do it. I wrote a script. So there is an existing script. We're working out some rights issues right now. So we're just trying to figure out when the best time to make that film would be. I would still do it in the same way. I would do it as tangible puppets, not CGI, maybe having, you know, we had one stop motion scene in the first gremlins, but I don't think I'd use much CGI in gremlins three close quote. Well, you would and you wouldn't have to. I mean, no. Gremlins is all pretty much Muppets anyway, mm-hmm. so I, I'm i okay with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it should, it should be interesting and definitely something to look out for. I know I know the second one's not looked at on as fondly as the original one, but. No, well, that one, I'm sorry, that, in my opinion, that should have been one and done. Yeah, no, it should have been. Well, we'll see what happens with this third one. If it happens, nothing really confirmed about it. Right. Uh, switching over to some uh, TV news. Uh, we got It was announced oh, over the, the time we were in between 
episodes that Black Lightning is going to end on the CW after its upcoming season four. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this on from the IGN article, uh, Black Lightning will end its run after its upcoming fourth season with a spinoff series centered on Painkiller in the works. It was previously reported that the seventh episode of Black Lightning season four will be a backdoor pilot for a Painkiller series. Uh, Salim Akil, who developed Black Lightning as well as wrote and directed various episodes of the series, confirmed the Painkiller show and thanked the Black Lightning crew in a statement to Variety. Quote, thank you to the phenomenal cast, writers and crew without whom none of this would have been possible. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've been able to do and the moments we've been able to create in bringing DC's first African-American family of superheroes to to life for the culture. I'm very grateful for Peter Roth, Warner Brothers TV, Mark Pedowitz, the CW Network, and Greg Berlanti for their partnership and support of my vision at every step of the journey. While season four may be the end of one journey, I'm I'm extremely excited to usher in a new character and continued collaboration with the CW as we tell the story of Painkiller, close quote. So, Painkiller has not been greenlit. They're just making a pilot for him. Sure, which this could, you know, speculation, could go the way of, uh, what was it, Canaries. Oh, yeah, Green Arrow on the Canaries. Green Arrow on the Canaries, where the the backdoor pilot, and it just never took off. So, we'll see. Well, definitely have to wait to see. I mean, I'm sad to see that Black Lightning is getting canceled. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that they had uh, arguably one of the best first seasons. Oh, yeah. No, first season was great. First season was great. And it it just becomes tough when they don't have a big rogues gallery Mm -hmm. to go with. But Mm -hmm. they've always put on quality episodes. Uh, Cress Williams, who plays Black Lightning, I kind of hope he gets moved to Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I can see that. Because they definitely need somebody over at Legends to really step up and... Mm -hmm. And go there, and like I said, uh, they also need an adult-like figure in that. In that crew. Yeah, well, obviously, well, you're got you're not going to Brandon Roth there. Nope. Your, your superheroes, nobody really stands out. But like I said, if Chris Williams goes there. Yeah, Black Lightning would definitely fit in with the Legends, and yeah. I think that'd be a big move. Yeah, because Legends is the other one that we're watching. Because I know we've talked about it in the past that mm-hmm. that was the two that were getting watched by the powers to be over at Warner CW to see are they going to stay? They're going to go. Mm-hmm. So to see them get canceled, uh, like I said, sad to hear, and I'm I, like I'm not holding my breath on that painkiller yeah. series. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't really see like the CW, fan base. CW's got a track record with uh, backdoor pilots not happening. Right. S- see Supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, non-spoiler, excellent finale. I know we di- we we dived into Supernatural last week. I don't want to spoil it because I know you're going to start watching it eventually. Yes, it was as perfect in the supernatural vein as it could be. So if you're a Supernatural fan, you definitely need to watch it. But getting back to Black Lightning, I, I got to say, like, for where the show debuted and really took off and to see it now getting canceled, I, like I say, I, I hope it transitions into another show mm-hmm. that can definitely keep that character on screen. Yeah. And, yeah, CW, DC Universe is, is going to be a weird place yeah. without that, yeah. without, that, without yep. Arrow. Yep. It's going to be interesting in 2021 with the uh, uh-huh. DC and CW. Uh-huh. Uh, switching back over to some video game news. This one came out of left field for me last week. Uh, when I started seeing stuff about Project 007, Project Double, I'm like, Project 007, what the hell is this? And they already announced something for a new movie and they haven't even put out the last one? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a new James Bond video game. Uh, so, so it's coming from the developers of the Hitman franchise, IO Interactive. Uh, it was announced as a teaser trailer uh, back last week, uh, which describes the game, quote, as a wholly original Bond story in which players will step into the show, into the show, into the shows of the world's favorite secret agent and the, to earn their double O status in the very first Bond origin story. Uh, this from the, and then from the IGN article, uh, quote, in an, in, 
active development for consoles and PC, Project 007, a working title, will mm. be created on IO's own Glacier engine, which was used for the recent Hitman games. It's not entirely, it's not clear exactly what kind of game Project 007 will be, but given IO's history with stealth and espionage games, the studio's Hitman model seems to be, seems like a potentially close fit. Uh, so this is going to be very interesting to see. I, I know I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the Hitman games, but I've seen some gameplay of them. They're, they look like they're fun. Uh, but Christ, we need a good James Bond video game. The la- I know, you know, GoldenEye is near and dear. GoldenEye is the GOAT. It's near and dear to a lot of people's heart, mine included. My opinion, though, the last good James Bond video game was Nightfire for the PlayStation 2. Might have come out on the original Xbox. I don't remember. It's kind of in that same vein of, you know, uh, GoldenEye. It's got a story that's pretty good, but then the multiplayer was where it was at. Yeah. I had a lot of hours putting that multiplayer with my brother, you know, split screen, turning on the bots and, and just going fun and just going all over the place and just hours and hours and hours and hours of fun. We need a good James Bond video game. The The... You know, the license for video games has been sitting dormant for too goddamn long. It's true. The, the games that have come out, you know, since Nightfire, not good. You know, so we, we need a good James Bond video game. And I think the folks over at IO uh, Inter- Interactive should be able to pull off a good video game. I'm all for it. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, we got an update to Fantastic Beasts 3. Of course, I talked about a couple weeks ago that there were rumors that, you know, Mads Mikkelsen was uh, director David Yates' top choice to replace Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Uh, so IGN spoke to actor Mads Mikkelsen uh, to promote uh, an upcoming trailer for uh, uh, something he's in called Chaos Walking. I think Daisy Ridley's in that as well. I think so, too. Uh, so during this, uh, he, they asked him about the news that he's po- you know poised to replace Johnny Depp as Gellert. Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Oh, uh, so he said, "Quote: Oh, that is on the rumor basis as we speak. Uh, so I know as much as you do from the newspapers. So I'm waiting for that phone call." Close quote. Methinks he doth not say a lot. You no. know, well, let's not forget that uh, Ewan McGregor said for like five years that he'd love to do an Obi Wan Kenobi movie if they ever asked him, but knowing full well that there was one in the works, I think they're having talks and he just can't say anything. Yeah, which is a smart play to do. You don't want to yeah. feed in too much. Yeah. And obviously, you know how the internet will run wild with any little quotes. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's a smart move on his part. Yep. All right, so my one shot coming out this week is Ready Player Two. Oh. So the book sequel to, obviously, 2011's Ready Player One, written by Ernest Cline, is going to hit the shelves. And obviously, I would imagine this is going to get picked up for a movie as well. So if you are into that franchise, definitely go pick it up wherever you read your books from. Mm -hmm. And then going to some more TV news, it was announced on Twitter. It was hyped up over the weekend that we were going to see something involving DC Titans. Uh And they revealed Anna Diop's Starfire costume for the season. And it looks amazing. So they've done a little teases this so far with characters and costume. Everything we've seen thus far has been a win. I don't have any information about when season three is dropping, but this week, as we've talked about on uh, previous shows, they are going to be airing uh, Titans on TNT Network as mm. part of that whole Thanksgiving to the max mm-hmm. over the Warner Brothers Network uh, family. So TBS is going to have something. TNT is going to have something. And I know the new Kaylee Kuoko show is going to be out there, the flight attendant, too. Mm-hmm. So I know that's the big thing they're pushing. So, But with the DC stuff, like I say, Titans has looked great so far. So hopefully they can clean up some of the script issues I've had with it. And let's have a, you know, a, a sure hit this season because I definitely want to see it. And lastly, Pad, it mm-hmm. is a birthday of sorts. Okay. Now, 
Do you know what famous comic team mm-hmm. is 80 years old this week? Hmm, no. The Justice Society of America. Oh, okay. Yes. So on November 22nd in 1940, All-Star Comics number three, the Justice Society debuted. Hmm. So, yeah, so a little fun comic trivia for you. So the original incarnations of The Flash, Green Lantern, Our Man, Hawkman, Adam, The Spectre, Dr. Fate were mm-hmm. all in that kind of mix there. So that team has transcended through the history. I mean, obviously, 1940s time, they dealt with a lot of the World War II stuff. Right. fighting Hitler and, and company. Yeah. So to see it still be relevant to this day, and I mean, even more so comic-wise, I know they've been reintroduced now, yep. uh, falling out of Doomsday Clock, and to see Stargirl take off, which is a, is a new interpretation of this team, mm-hmm. it really goes to show the stand of time that, Obviously, the Justice League is the team that everybody knows DC for, but for being the first superhero team on DC Comics, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. So to see that, like I said, they've been fighting everybody since World War II and the many incarnations they've gone through over the years as well. Yeah. Trying to name everybody that's been a team member on that, I we don't have enough time. It's a long podcast. list. It isn't, but it or it's a long list. And we, like I said, it isn't something I want to deep dive into. But just to see... How this team has evolved and still relevant to this day, I yeah. think, is a true feather in the cap. Definitely go to your local comic shops and maybe pick up some issues and yeah. see, see what they've done. Because they've had some great runs throughout their 80 years. God, 80 years. Yeah, so you mentioned anniversary. I thought you were going to mention the fact that it, uh, just the other day it was the 25th anniversary of when Toy Story released in theaters. And I saw that and felt really old. Yeah, no, I'm, oh, with, you. I, I'm with you on that. I was avoiding that one because, like, that one. Holy Christ. I yeah. saw that and I was like, holy shit, 25 years already? Really? Yeah. It's, Oy, it's, doesn't feel it. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, Comic-wise, obviously, with the holiday going on, uh, some lists have came out that we've been able to keep track of what is coming to the stores. Uh, DC is kind of having you know, a little uh, quiet week, in my opinion. But sure. There's uh, the new Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number two is out. So I think that looks pretty cool to pick up Suicide Squad, the Tom Taylor uh, last issue, because they're canceling the series for now. Mm-hmm. And note I said for now because, like I say, they're going to tie this back in when the movie is ramping up and getting ready, a little more hype to it. But Tom Taylor's run has been phenomenal on this, too. So if you haven't checked that out. And the Marvel-wise, I mean, they, X of Swords is still going strong. So no matter where you turn for this, it's going to be X-Men 15 this week. So definitely head over to your local comic shops, especially I'm sure Saturday is uh, shop local Saturday. Mm. So shop small Saturday is. So definitely get to your local comic shops. Go give them some support. Definitely keep them in business and obviously have a safe and happy holiday week this week. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots, who have a Patreon out. If you want to talk about supporting local, those are great guys to go support. They have a lot of cool merch. You've seen it in on our Instagram because we posted because they're very nice to us and they like to hook us up every now and then because we are members. But you can also find out about them, Second Suitor, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, Brian Wolf, who's going to be doing some Patreon stuff as well. All of this is at the music section at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Also, while you're there, you can check out the directory, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Podchaser pages, because if you're not in Podchaser, are you really a group? So shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Apocalypse. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. And of course, shout out to 607 Podcast. And make sure to stop on over to 8122productions.com to find out what is going on with our friends 
Rich, Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Natty Cool because they have a lot of stuff dropping on their Patreon as well. All of that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. 180 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku. The clock is ticking. Everybody have a safe and healthy Thanksgiving week. My name is Kenem. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.